Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Awaken the Extraordinary. My name is Christy. I am your host, and thank you so much for being here. So today's episode is a little different. I'm actually talking to somebody else. Can you imagine? It's not just me for an hour. And this is part of this idea that I came up with called the Storyteller Series. And I really was inspired by the show on VH1, so I'm dating myself, but that's okay, called Storytellers. And I loved it because it was kind of like a behind the music type thing. And the idea is that everybody has a story. There's always a story behind what we see. And I wanted to give people an opportunity to share whatever story they wanted to share. I believe we all have multiple stories that comprise who we are. There are lessons that we've learned, whether it's through something painful and traumatic or something funny that happened to us. And we just want to share our stories. And I feel like we learn so much from people by storytelling or through storytelling. And there's so many people that have so many great stories to tell, whether it's something, again, funny or something that's super inspiring and motivating, something that will encourage somebody, but they don't often have a platform to do that. And I wanted to provide this space that I have for people who want to share their story. And this is the very first episode of the Storyteller series. There will be many more to come, but if you are listening and you have a story that you want to tell, if there's a story that you feel just really explains who you are, then I want to hear it. Other people need to hear it. If you've shared a story with someone before and it's helped them or it's even made them laugh, then I want to hear it. And I'm sure other people do too. So again, if you are listening and you're like, yeah, I, I have a ton of stories. I could write a book. Please contact me because I want this to be a space for other people to hear your story. I want this to be a space for you to share your voice with others because we're all valuable. We all can learn from each other and we all matter. So if you want to share your story with me, one of many stories that you have, please reach out to me. You can send me a DM at Awaken the Extraordinary on Instagram or at my happy feel good place, which is how I met our first guest. And I would love to have you on. So without further ado, let's get started. So hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Awaken the Extraordinary. Today, I have Kat joining and 
Kat and I met via my happy feel good place. So many of you follow me on Awaken the Extraordinary and that's fine and dandy. And I appreciate that. But I also have a separate account that's geared towards Hallmark movies. That is one of my not so guilty pleasures. And that is how I met Kat and she agreed to be my first um, guest. I'll say guest and not Vicky here on my podcast. And as I've shared before, something that I really wanted to do was allow people a space and opportunity to share whatever story is on their heart. And something that Kat and I have talked about is her journey with Crohn's disease, her experience with that. And so she agreed to come on and share this, and um, I'm so thankful to have her here. So, Kat, with that, welcome to my podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to be your first interview <laughs> on your podcast. I, I'm so happy you agreed. So, I just appreciate you so much. And as I as I mentioned to Kat before we started recording, I am going to absolutely butcher her name. Um, it's beautiful and it's exotic, and I will not even do it justice. So I will let her formally introduce herself with her her beautiful name that I will not. Yes, I w- I was born and raised in Poland, so my name is Katarzyna Lenkauch. Actually. My Polish name is Katarzyna Mikolajewska. Oh my God. Lenkauch is my married name and my husband is Czech. So I was was always ask. Yeah. Everybody always butchers my name. Um, So usually everybody just ends up with Kat. Yes. That's how Kat was born. Well, I love it. And it makes me think of that show with Mayan Bialik that I've never watched called Call Me Cat. I have no idea, but, um, that's just like what I thought of when I'm like, I'm just going to call you cat. So I'm like, I wonder if there's a similar story with that show. doesn't matter, but yes. So thank you for joining. And, um, for those of you listening, I will tag her in the episode notes and obviously in the stories when this podcast episode airs so that you can follow her. Um, but yeah, so I know you and I, have kind of shared gastrointestinal issues. Yes, um, not so much talked about, right? Everybody's yeah. embarrassed to talk about it. Yeah, and so I'm really thankful that you're willing to do that. And um, I would just love to know a little bit about your background, and I think the listeners would as well. And then just kind of how you got to that point where you were told that you had Crohn's just kind of walk us through that too. So the interesting thing is I was told Crohn's is genetic, but nobody in my family has Crohn's. Mm. Nobody's heard of it. So I'm the first one to be officially diagnosed with Crohn's. And I was always, ever since I learned I have Crohn's, everybody told me, well, you don't look like somebody who has Crohn's because I've always dealt with weight loss issues. Like instead of lose weight, I was gaining. So they always told me, you don't look like somebody with Crohn's. I don't even, I was shocked to be diagnosed with Crohn's. I 
I struggled, I think since like I was 15, I struggled with metabolism. I was using laxatives and oh, lots okay. of like cleansers and just just to go to the bathroom. But okay. my family always told me, well, it's in our family. Everybody has issues with metabolism, but it's nothing serious. So let's not worry about it. So you were, were you doing that to like try to lose weight? What, what? Yes, I was, okay. I was technically kind of looking to have like flat belly, you know, like 15 year old trying to look good. And so I was just, yeah. And I think like, I, I kind of strongly believe that since I started so young with all these laxatives and diet pills and stuff, I feel like it kind of maybe led me to Crohn's because mm-hmm. I'm, let's be honest, these kind of pills and diets are not healthy. Oh, right. They yeah. really mess us up on the inside. And I really think that just those pills and the teas and the combination of when I moved to United States, I got very comfortable in eating fast foods and eating out a lot. I mm-hmm. feel like that really affected my colon greatly. So can you explain for people that may not know, like what Crohn's disease like actually is? So Crohn's disease basically is autoimmune disease which means my body will attack my own body Mm -hmm. and it can cause a lot of different issues. Uh, Before I was diagnosed with Crohn's, I was actually struggling with getting a lot of uveitis. Okay. And the doctors couldn't explain why I was getting uveitis until I was diagnosed with Crohn's and they said, well, that's where your uveitis come from. Your body is attacking, attacking your, your own body. And okay. So a UVIT is? It's eye infections. Oh, okay. Okay. You literally get like red eyes and blurry vision and it's painful. Okay. I, when I first started uveitis, I, I thought it was like spring allergies, seasonal allergies, but it was not going away. It was always there for months. So I went to the yeah. doctor and they said, well, you have uveitis and it's like really progressing because you never treated it. Okay. Well, yeah, but you didn't, you just thought it was, I mean, wh- why would you think it was something like that when- never. If especially if like the symptoms are similar to that of like allergies or something along those lines. Yes. And I've never, I've never had like issues that I would, you know, when somebody who has Crohn's usually is known for not being able to hold when they have to go to the bathroom, that was never me. I was the opposite. Like I had actually trouble going to the bathroom. Yeah. So I, that's what I wanted to ask too, is like, how did, how did this come about? Like your, your diagnosis and, and I would be interested, like, what does a person, so I guess I have two questions. So first, what does a person with Crohn's, what do they look like? Like what, what do people think they look like? And then second, like, what were your symptoms that led to like the diagnoses? So 
Okay, number one, from what I was told, a person who looks like they have Crohn's is usually very skinny because mm -hmm. they lose they lose a lot of weight, yeah. so they look very very skinny. Like you can tell they are sick. Mm -hmm. That was not me. I ended up having bad issues with my stomach after I miscarried in 2014. Yeah. I had trouble with my stomach. I had bad pains. That's when I was actually in flare and I didn't mm. know. So after a few months of dealing with really feeling horrible, I went to the doctor and she immediately said, well, we need to do colonoscopy because you definitely have some kind of IBD. Okay. She did not even think it was IBS. I thought maybe it was IBS caused by like, maybe I'm eating something that is just like causing me all these issues. But she immediately said, no, you probably have some kind of IBD from what you're describing. Okay. And for so, people listening, IBD is irritable bowel disease. And then IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Yes. And I didn't realize until recently, those are two different things. Like I thought that was the same thing, but I, I also thought the same until I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But my first question, when they told me I have Crohn's after my colonoscopy, my first question was, is it terminal? Yeah. I had no idea. Had no idea. I, I was terrified. And then, of course, they threw on top of that, well, you're going to have issues getting pregnant. So that was like another nail to uh, my coffin. I felt like yeah. they right away, like told me those things like you're going to have issues probably getting pregnant because one, you have endometriosis, which makes it difficult. And two, now you have Crohn's, which also causes issues getting pregnant. So it was emotional day mm -hmm. it was very emotional I couldn't believe that I'm diagnosed with Crohn's like where did it come from how did right. like how did I get it what's causing like I started looking immediately what causes Crohn's well yeah I mean I think when we have like technology at our fingertips I I think you and I spoke about this before too is you know I would I would web md everything you know, like I had any yeah. symptom and I still have to kind of rein myself in because you, you have everything literally at your fingertips. So if you're not feeling good, if you're feeling anxious, you can absolutely like just go down that rabbit hole, which doesn't make oh, anything yes. any better. Doc, you know? Dr. Google is not that <laughs> no, like, Dr. Google. I, yeah. I've done that before also, like any tiny symptom I was like Googling and then I saw like a list of illnesses and I would freak out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I have a deadly disease. So I have to see the doctor. You know? Well, and I think too, um, you know, just, just being curious about where it started, you know, because they, they did tell you that it has a tendency to be genetic. And as I've shared with you, you know, my mother has ulcerative colitis. My sister had Crohn's disease. She looked the way you said people typically look, but that was when she was very ill. Like she lost her hair. She became incredibly thin, like so much so that I think I shared with you, I didn't even recognize her in a picture that I yeah. took with her. Um, and then I have IBS. 
Um, but I think from like a genetic standpoint, it's like, I've, I've always thought that like, if it's genetic, it has to start somewhere. Like it starts with somebody somehow, you know, I know right. It's very interesting. How does that start? So of course my main worry right now is if it's genetic, are my daughters going to get it? Because, but then nobody in my family has it and I got it. So have you, because I know you Thanks. said you, you did like, you know, you did laxatives and just a lot of things to try to manage, you know, your weight, which I think a lot of, I think a lot of women, especially when they're teenagers and in their early twenties, like we do a lot of things that are unhealthy. And I think there's so much, there's so much information out there now about like what you should do versus what you shouldn't, what's healthy and what's not. Um, have you discussed that with your doctor about maybe did, did any of those things possibly contribute or is that something that you're just kind of like wondering just on your she, own? She did say that anything is possible because they, um, they believe there were some studies done and they believe that uh, a lot of like envi- and your environment and what you eat and just, how you, yeah. what kind of a lifestyle you lead. Mm-hmm affects yeah. everyone you know so it doesn't have to be necessarily genetic right it's just that most of the time it's genetic that somebody had it and you inherit but not in my case yeah 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 but yes it's sad because with Crohn's literally you get affected with everything like your sister lost her hair you know and mm. this can happen to anyone with Crohn's, the, the, the amount of stuff that can happen, it's overwhelming. Yeah. When you live, when you live and you think every day, oh, am I going to be okay? Am I doing enough to stay healthy? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like with my sister, she, she couldn't keep food down. And I mean, and I was very, very young. I think she was 21 or 22. So that means I was like 10 or 11. And, um, I don't remember like a lot, but I just remember she seemed fine. And then shortly thereafter, in what I felt like was a very short period of time, she became very ill. She couldn't keep food down. She was having to drink in shore. And basically they told her, you, you have to have this surgery where they removed part of her colon. So now she has, I think it's a colostomy. Like, so she has the, the mm-hmm. bag. Yes. Um, and just like me, you know, like as an adult, as a kid, I didn't really think much about it, but I'm just like, wow, for her to have that, have had that procedure done at like 22, when you're so concerned with how you look, you know, and I just, and I remember her just being very self-conscious about that. And that just really just breaks my heart, just like from that compassionate perspective that she had this procedure done to save her life. And she's, you know, I mean, and I get it like concerned with how she looks like I, I get it. It changed everything for her. She has to be more mindful about what she eats. She right. can't tolerate certain foods anymore, but I'm very interested because that's, that's the version of Crohn's that I know. Um, but I, I'm really intrigued to know like how you, how you manage it, like how it impacts you, what a flare up looks like. 
and how you, you manage it. Like I know health is a really big thing for you. Yes. Yes. Ever, ever since I learned about Crohn's, I've been trying First, they put me on medication. That was my first step. And I was taking medication for as long, for as long as I wanted. Mm -hmm. Because we decided we couldn't get pregnant, just like the doctors predicted. So we decided to take the road of IVF. And once we started the IVF process, I put away the meds. The doctor told me they are somewhat safe. They, her words were they are mostly safe. What does that mean? Oh, that's mostly really, safe. that's very reassuring. So I would not feel comfortable with and, that. Yeah. And she told me, just keep taking them like you're supposed to. And I was like, okay, no, I am doing in vitro. I'm spending so much money on oh, in yeah. vitro. And that's, and that's a really hard process on your body too. I've had friends go through that and, and- that's just so intense and I'm not saying that's what a person with Crohn's should do just go put away your meds um just you know listen to what your doctor says I just right my mind was like oh my god I am not gonna take medicine that is mostly safe right it was my choice and I knew that I might pay for it but once we did IVF and I got pregnant with my first daughter my Crohn's flare, like actually healed. I went into remission because um, when you're pregnant, your body is, what's the word? Um, protecting. Yeah, that makes goes sense. Goes into like protective mode. So my Crohn's went to in remission and I was feeling great through the whole pregnancy and after I had my daughter, I still was feeling good. So I just decided to be off the meds. Mm-hmm. I did speak to my doctor about it, of course. I told her, um, look, I put away my medication. I've been feeling great. What do you think I should do? Because I was breastfeeding still. So oh, yeah. that was I another worry. That. Like mm-hmm. any, I, I did not want it to get into my baby, yeah. of course. And she said, well, if you are feeling good, then just stay off the meds. Call me as soon as you don't feel good so we can put you on the medication again. But what it's tough because that medication, I remember it was like $800 a month or so. And it doesn't, the insurance doesn't always cover it. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. Yeah. How cat, how... How did the medication like help you manage it? Like what, what, if you weren't taking the medication, what would you likely have experienced? And then how did the medication help? I have, so um, I want to clear this up also. Mm -hmm. I have mild Crohn's. Okay. So it's not like severe Crohn's, but if I didn't take the medication, I would have horrible pains around my stomach like on my right side you know and then I would um I would go to the bathroom multiple times Mm -hmm. and it was always loose stool yeah it's there was blood in my stool and um you know like if you see any mucus in your stool that's also not a good sign Mm -hmm. 
something might be going on. Not necessarily IBD immediately. Yeah. And, and, you know, just for, for me too, it's like, I, when I'm having like a flare up or I eat something or drink something like caffeine is not (laughs) my friend, but I, Mm -hmm. I drink coffee anyway. It's like usually multiple times, like literally this morning, I, I was waiting in the parking lot for my doctor's appointment. And I told my husband, I literally had to run into the bathroom. Like I was running up the stairs. First, I ran to the door on the first floor. And of course that bathroom door is locked. So then I'm like running up the stairs and I get in there. And for me, it's, it's a sense of urgency. Like if I have to go to the bathroom, like I'm just going to be, if I have to poop, I have five minutes. And so, and it's, and it's literally that, like, I don't commute to work now, but I used to have like my, my drive to work, even if there was like more traffic on, let's say route a than route B, I took route a because I knew where I could pull off to go to the bathroom. And as I was driving to my doctor's appointment this morning, it's been literally years since I've driven in rush hour traffic. And I mean, before that, before it was COVID, like before COVID was the last time. And so as I was driving to my appointment this morning, it was like that anxiety about, okay, like where, where are my emergency routes? Like if I have to pull off and go to the bathroom, like I'm out of practice and yeah. it, and it's the same, it's like, there's that sense of urgency, like literally five minutes tops. It's usually multiple times a day, loose stools and occasionally like there's mucus, but I have IBS, but, and so it's interesting to me that it's like some of the symptoms are similar. I mean, I guess it's interesting, but not, but like, there's, there's never been any like blood in my stools, but I also know my mother has ulcerative colitis and she would see that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. They are, they are almost the same. They are, but, um, I think that ulcera, how do you say that? I can't even pronounce that. Ulcerative colitis. I think it affects your small, small intestine, no, large intestine and Crohn's affects your small or the other way around. Now I'm. Well, I'll I'll look, I'll look it up and I'll like put it in my, my bio so people can check it out. Cause yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, the worst thing that anybody could tell me while on a road trip, if I have, if I say I have to go to the bathroom is just hold it. That's oh, the yeah. worst thing somebody well, can tell and me. And then, yeah. And then that, that creates like just so much angst. Like I'll be like sweating. I yes. won't be able to focus because it's, li- it's literally all I can think about, you know? And it's like, I, I mean, I have had instances where like I've, I've had to, I was a kid, I was like 16. And I think that's when my IBS actually started, but I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was out with my cousin who is also 16 and a boy and my best friend and my aunt and my uncle and my grandmother. And we were out in the wild looking for deer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm like, to my best friend, I'm like, "I I have to poop. I have to poop. And she's like, I'm whispering this to her. So then she announces in the car, 
Christy has to poop. And I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And there was literally nowhere to go. So I, there was a tractor. So I'm holding onto like the rear tire of the tractor with one hand and a barbed wire fence with the other. And it's raining. And I'm just like, that's great. Cars coming towards me. Like they can't really see me, but cars going the other way. All they probably see is this white booty there. And I was just, it was so, it was so humiliating, especially because like my 16 year old cousin is there. And I, it was just so like, just like oh my gosh and I can imagine and it's just that that panic like that sense of yes. panic I feel like there's just there's nothing there's just nothing like it that I've experienced yes awful it is awful even even if you just have to like pass gas sometimes it's like um is it safe well, it's like, it's the, like, it's a, it's oh a God. shark, like the shark where you're not sure if it's like a fart or if there's something more to oh, it. No. And, oh, yes, exactly. and I'm like, and I don't know, like for me, I don't mind talking about this. Cause I'm like, this is just, this is reality. Like this it is, is reality, reality for me, for you. And I think for, for me, what, what my mom had always like said was, like she felt that stress triggered it and yes and Mm -hmm. so like when she was really stressed out and she's like a very anxious person there would be flare-ups and she she always thought that my sister developed you know Crohn's because of a stressful environment and and I can tell you that like my, my own intestinal issues started after super traumatic events that happened to me when Mm -hmm. I was 14. And I just didn't, you know, I just didn't know. You didn't think about it because Mm -hmm. you're forcing, you don't think about that. It's a health issue or something's Mm -hmm. going on. Right. You just, yeah. But stress is a big, big factor for um, Crohn's and it affects flares so badly. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you manage that? Like, how do you manage your flare ups? Um, I guess like with, with managing like your stress or like diet, like what, how has your life changed since you were diagnosed with Crohn's? Wow. I, since I was diagnosed, I was always looking for some kind of um, diet that I can follow, but not diet like eliminating food groups or anything like that, because I love food too much. So the bad thing was that you don't really get that much help from the doctor. They just tell you, well, try to follow Medita- Mediterranean diet. Oh, the Mediter- Mediterranean. Yes, gosh, sorry. My English sometimes I, I cannot pronounce words. No, you don't, you don't need to apologize. <laughs> I can't pronounce your name and I didn't apologize for that. You don't need to <laughs> apologize for anything. So that's all she told me. Try to follow this. And um, that was that. Find a nutritionist that maybe can help you more, but... How do you find a nutritionist when you 
get this expensive medication already and then find a nutritionist, pay more money to help you manage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just kind of trying to eat healthy. And then after I had my second daughter, I wanted to lose postpartum weight and I joined Beachbody. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know about Beachbody was that I always thought of them as like fitness app for workouts, but I had no idea that they were actually big on nutrition programs. Yeah. And so I started to drink the Shakeology. I used to drink I, that. I, I liked that. I love Shakeology. It's like my daily staple that I have to have. But the funny thing is I always like I knew about Shakeology and I but I didn't realize it was Beachbody. I just okay. know that there is a Shakeology. It costs so much money. And I always thought, God, who spends so much money on a shake? You know what? I remember because. Um, I used to work with someone when I worked at a software company and she, she was a beach body rep and she tried to get me into it. And I was like, I just, I don't care. I don't want to post all this stuff. Like I just, uh. but I remember like I did do the, the shakeology for a while. And then like the workouts, like I think I mentioned to you, like Shanti and like yeah. the Shalene extreme and all of that. And I remember it was pricey for the shakes. Like it, it was an investment for sure. Yeah, it yes. But when I was joining, I told my husband because he was like, no, you're not getting the shake. <laughs> Forget it. You're not getting the shake. But then we sat and talked about it and we looked at like, okay, where do I spend too much money that I don't really need yeah. to spend? Because I thought if I'm going to get this shake, then... I have to work out because if I'm drinking this shake, then there is no way I'm not doing the work. Exactly. Yeah. I understand that. I kind of got Shakeology as my accountability to do the workouts. Mm -hmm. And I started to follow to be mindset nutrition. It's a very, um, it's a great program. It's not restrictive at all. It's about freedom to learn which foods are good for you for your weight loss or it's not just a weight loss program it's if whether you want to maintain it or gain weight you know like mm-hmm. it's, it's just um you figure out how to feed yourself yeah according to your goals and that's that it kind of reminds me it sounds similar to um gosh to weight watchers like back back in the day, I remember, um, gosh, when I was a kid, my, my mom has always like had challenges managing her weight to the best, like as far as I can remember. So since I was born and I remember as a kid, I would go to her weight watchers meetings with her. That was very fun for me. And, um, when I got older, I was my, I was married. I've been married twice. My first husband was very concerned about weight and I was heavier then. And so I remember, um, feeling crappy about myself and going to weight watchers. But what I liked about them was it, it was, it taught you how to eat and kind of 
like, I think they had like a point system and it was like, okay, well, yes, you can have this pizza pizza, but it's mm-hmm. seven points. And let's say you're allocated like 21 for a, the day based on what you want to do. It's like, okay, well, would you rather have like one slice of pizza or would you rather have like more of this good stuff? So, I mean, ultimately like you could still make bad decisions, but it, I think it taught you like, okay, yeah, once in a while you can have this, but let's really try to focus on eating more of like the good stuff. So that's what it reminds me of when you're describing that. Yes. That's, that's for me. Like I love pizza, but one pizza doesn't really agree with my Oh yeah. Intestines, unfortunately. So I I still enjoy it once in a while, but I always make it a meal so that I don't have more than one slice. Right. With veggies and I I love to make Greek salad and put some tuna salad on top of it and then mm-hmm. have a slice of pizza with it. Yeah. So then that's a meal. I don't feel bad about eating pizza and yeah. My stomach the next day isn't horrible. I was going to ask you, like, how does, like, when you mentioned that, like, how does dairy impact you? I am actually trying to find out right now because we launched with Beachbody for the four week gut protocol, which is a four week program where we eliminate some foods in week one and we gradually add them through the four weeks to find our food sensitivities. So since I eliminated gluten, dairy, corn, I had to remove coffee already before the program because yeah, I, know I, you did. Yeah. I drank coffee for as long as I could. I tried to prove to my doctor coffee doesn't affect me. And, you know, I'm all, no, I'm all good. I can have a cup of coffee. But my younger daughter, she's such a bad sleeper that I ended up kind of not on purpose I didn't even realize I was drinking way too much coffee throughout the day and I started some stomach issues and I was like okay no I have to remove coffee altogether how many cups a day were you drinking um so I I like to say one but (laughs) at at that time I start I sat down and I started thinking and I think I had like three four cups a day well, yeah, because like, I feel like, like I will just have one in the morning and then that's it. I, I used to have a habit where I would have one in the afternoon too. And it was worse in the office when I was in an office because it was like, you just had coffee. Like it was just this constant, this constant thing. And it was funny when you said one cup, I was thinking of like, you know, those giant mugs. I'm like, okay, it was probably one of those. <laughs> Yes. Then I was like, well, I, I kind of drink like the coffee mug to go, which is technically two cups and I have two of those. So that makes four cups of coffee technically. And it was causing me heartburn and other issues and, you know, it just had to go. Well, and I think like one of my things I was talking to somebody about this yesterday is like, it's, it's very heavily chemically treated and, you know, I am not, I am not great, but since like becoming pregnant with my son, I'm a lot more mindful of like the ingredients in what I use on my skin, um, like what I consume and, you know, 
some days I'm like really great. And then other days I'm like, I just don't care. But if I'm trying to stay away from these chemicals, like I'm drinking coffee every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, they say coffee has its good things. It, it does. Has, you know, for, I guess for some people, it might have good effect on them. Well, yeah. It does not love me back, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the gut, the gut protocol sounds like really interesting as you were describing that it kind of reminded me of, you know, when you're first starting to give your, your child like solid foods and you try like something. And then a few days later you try something else so that you can figure out like what they have the sensitivity to. I was, I was very skeptical when they said we were launching this nutrition because I love to be mindset and I'm a to be mindset girl forever. now I even feed my kids the way to be mindset teaches us to eat mm-hmm. and they love the recipes from bit body on demand like it's that's a blessing good. it's that's a blessing good. they that's are picky good. they can be picky but I was skeptical because I thought about doing um like the elimination diet probably last year or two years ago but I was like oh man now I'm going to have to find all these recipes for like gluten-free, dairy-free. I have to do all this work. Uh, I just don't want to do it on my own. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't have time with two toddlers at home. I don't have time to sit down and like, look, right. plan my diet of elimination. And I, I didn't want to go to nutritionist. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with nutritionist because I have a passion for nutrition. And I feel like after joining Beachbody, I found that this is what I could be doing for my career. Mm-hmm. And I'm still hoping to go to school to do something with that because I would love to like become a dietitian or nutritionist or something. Yeah. So it well, just yeah. brought this passion out of me about um, healthy lifestyle, you know, and I guess they say it's better, um, what's the saying? Better late than never. Yeah. To find your passion, what you would like to do in your life, you know? Well, and it makes me think too of this, this is something like this, this passion, this love of nutrition. I feel like it was born from this experience you know, or maybe it was always there, but maybe you needed something like this to happen so that you could explore different avenues to help you manage this condition. And from that was born this love of like fitness. Like you, you were so great about like your workouts. And I, and I sit there and I just like watch you work out with your kids. And I'm just like, why can't I do that? Because the second I lay on the floor, my kid or my dog is crawling on me. Oh, trust me. Some days my kid, my younger is all over me. Like I lay down to do sit-ups and she's immediately, mommy. Yeah. And she's like, hug, <laughs> hug, hug. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. But, but I had a mom guilt when I was going to the gym. I had this mom guilt inside of me because I I used to go to the gym Mm-hmm. a lot before I had my kids and then after I had my first daughter um 
I went to the gym, but I was also working part-time in the afternoons. So I had this mom guilt that instead of spending time with my child in the morning, I'm putting her in a childcare where she's looking through the window at me, you know, I was like, oh, so gym didn't work out for me very well after I had my older one. That's how I knew when I was pregnant with my second that if I'm going to do something about my weight loss after I have her, it's going to have to be at home. Right. Yeah. Because I don't have a heart to put them both in childcare anymore. It's, I mean, it's really, it's really hard. You know, I, I worked out literally up until I, I had my son, like I, he was born on a Tuesday and the Thursday before was Thanksgiving. And I did a 5k on Thanksgiving. I, I walked it, but I, I ran across, I ran quote unquote across the finish line. So I was like, I at least have to run across the finish line. But, um, since I had him, my workouts have been just like super sporadic and, for me, that's also hard because that is a huge stress release for me. It is. And I just like, I need to get that energy out, but I don't like a traditional gym. Um, and then, you know, you had COVID, so stuff was closed and then working out at home. Like I am, I am very much inspired. Like when I watch you, because I'm just like, well, like she's doing it. But I also know like my tolerance level, like for interruptions is just like, it's not great. (laughs) I get it. But I have to say something. I just, you know, when you said you had your son on Tuesday, I feel like we're just meant to know each other. My older daughter was born on a Tuesday also. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. We have so many like, connections yeah we do and hallmark brought us together oh yes yes (laughs) definitely the love for hallmark movies yeah but I think um I think it's great that like you you are absolutely leading by example with your girls and they're seeing you just be like this this badass you know Mm -hmm. like you're managing a, a health condition that can be pretty serious and you know you're you're dedicated to the nutrition and helping them establish healthy eating habits and like being physical and showing that like you know you're you're being mindful of your role as their mom but at the same time you're not sacrificing you and what makes you feel good and your health and like ultimately that benefits everybody. And that's a, like, to me, that's such a powerful behavior to be modeling for your daughters. Yeah. And, and this is what I really want for them. I want them to see that, you know, leading, living a healthy life is great. You know, it's like healthy food is not boring. I, I, in the past two weeks, I've eaten so much yummy foods that it's like, blows my mind you know the flavors and everything oh so yummy well that was something that I realized like so in 2010 I became vegan for a while I saw Alicia Silverstone on Oprah talking about the kind diet and I was training for a marathon and I was like I just ate like five roll tacos and a quesadilla why don't I feel good and you know so I was like let me try this out because I've always just 
been a huge animal lover. And, you know, so I was like, I'm going to try this out for six weeks and I'm just going to see how I do. And I actually really liked it. And so I stuck with it, honestly, until I became pregnant. Like I would have little cheats here and there, but I stuck with it until I became pregnant with my son and I wasn't like the best vegan. So I probably wasn't getting like the protein the way I should have gotten it. And so I was like, I'm going to incorporate like eggs and dairy back just because it makes my life easier. And I'm at least getting protein from something. And then I just decided to stay vegetarian because it just honestly makes my life easier. Um, but when I became vegan, I was just like, oh my gosh, like there are so many amazing, like vegetable heavy meals, like all these flavors, like all these spices, like all of these foods I'd never tried before. It was just like my eyes opened up. I was like, what is this? This is wonderful. Yes, Yes, absolutely. It's, um, I thought about becoming vegan because I'm also a huge animal lover, but my worry is with my crowns, I really need those nutrients, you know, and I don't know how to properly become vegan. And so I'm afraid that I'm already low on iron. So I need supplements anyways. But if I eliminate meat, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, and I think it's, it's hard. And that's why, like, it was funny because when I became vegan, I knew someone who was vegan and she was talking to me about like how, if you had rice and beans, so it was like a certain amount of like protein and carbs made like a complete protein, but there was this science behind it. And I was just like, I just don't like, I just can't even get my mind or it was just too much thinking like people that do macros. I did that. And I'm like, that is too, Mm -hmm. that is just too much work. I'm not going to stick to it. So I know there's kind of like this, this joke that goes around, like when someone's vegetarian or vegan, like they become like a carbitarian. So it's like, they just eat super carb heavy foods. And I think like you have to be super mindful of not doing that. And, you know, I think like when I, when I was pregnant, I, I ate like crap because I was like, I don't care. I want a chocolate pie, a piece of pie and French fries for dinner. I'm going to eat. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I also indulged myself when I was pregnant. I mean, you have to. I, yeah. And I didn't. And your body care. wants it. It wants. I did. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't, I don't care. Like I was still working out. But I was, I was working out like three to four times a week and I still gained 50 pounds. And I was like, I don't care. Like it came off. Like I didn't stress about it. I was like, it'll come off when it comes off. And most of it came off pretty easily. And I was like, I just, I don't care. Like, it's fine. I just wanted the experience, but staying, staying vegetarian just made life easier. Um, but I still have like, I think I still have compassion guilt because it's like, I know I know what goes on behind the scenes, like with the cheese and stuff, like I know that. And so that just, that's guilt that I just have and it is what it is. Um, But yeah, like being vegan, it's there, there is like a lot of thought to it. I mean, there's, there's so much out there now that I think is just 
super processed, you know, like they have oh, like yeah. the, the vegan cheese and they have like, now they have vegan, like vegan junk food. And that was just starting to come out when I was vegan. So I think it's very easy to become vegan, but a healthy vegan, I think is a lot more challenging. It's a, it's a lot of work. Yes. Mm-hmm. Too. Like if you want to be proper vegan, it's a lot of thought and a lot of meal planning, I guess. Planning. Our, our nutrition programs can be total, totally vegan. There is a lot of vegan recipes in our nutrition center. Oh, but cool. I'm just so busy with my kids that I don't have the time to mm-hmm. like sit down and figure out if I wanted to go vegan. I just don't have the time to figure out my meal plan. Yeah. yeah. And when I was vegan... It was me and my dogs. Like it was, it was easy. Like I would run and come home and I had, I literally had the time to plan and I kind of miss those days, (laughs) you know, I I still sit down and plan like that's, that's a must for me every Friday night or Saturday morning, I sit down and I plan my meals for the week, plan my snacks for the week plan lunch for my husband because he got spoiled with me making <laughs> lunches for him for the week so um but it doesn't really take such a long time with the, the regu- when you eat regular not vegan you know it just you just put some meal plan together and that's that my husband and I still struggle I with meal gone. planning like and and it's he is not vegetarian mm-hmm. so and and he's diabetic so so that's also a challenge Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. well uh, what helps me with meal planning is that I cook every other night I don't cook every night that's a lot yeah that's a lot to cook yeah we usually do that too we're like okay we whatever we're making it has to last us for two nights you know and um yeah And sometimes it doesn't because my kids decide, well, your dinner is yummy today. So we're going to eat it more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Because same when I, when I make them something for them, they end up eating our dinner anyways. And Mm -hmm. like, if I put bowl with the same food in front of them, they would not touch it. Yeah. (laughs) That's always how it works. But I must say they are big spaghetti squash lovers. They love when I make spaghetti squash bowls and they just like put their hands in there and like, "Mm, this is so like, that's awesome. Like when I see my son, like enjoy vegetables, it like seriously makes my heart so happy. Yes, me too. My older daughter, she, she loves broccoli. She loves cauliflower. She loves green beans. It's it's amazing. I love when that happens. Yeah, it's really And she nice. tried Brussels sprouts the other day because she always says, this is mommy's favorite when she was a child. Because I, I was that weird child that I always loved Brussels sprouts. So when you had Brussels sprouts as a kid, like were they seasoned or were they just like steamed? My mom made them in a soup. Okay. She used, she used to make like this vegetable soup and it was so good. Of course, she put sugar in there. <laughs> my mom just put sugar in everything well I mean I think back to like when my mom like we hardly ever had fresh fruit and vegetables in my house like as a kid and so I remember she would 
she would cut up strawberries and put them in a bowl and put a ton of sugar on them. And I was just like, I didn't know any different. And then when I like got older and bought my own stuff, I was like, oh yeah, you, they taste good. Like you don't have to put sugar on them. Of course they do taste good with sugar. Yeah. Um, I love Brussels sprouts. Like they became like a super, like a super trendy, like appetizer, yes. you know, but I always, I always liked them. And it was so funny. Like I made them for my dad, like years and years ago, like I made some sort of like honey must, it was like a sriracha honey mustard Brussels sprout. And it was so funny. It was the first time I made them. So I didn't like cut the bottom off or anything. And he still ate them. And, um, he was like, these are really good. He said, I've always just thought they were gross because they were just steamed and they were mushy. But he was Mm -hmm. like, I really like these. And so we'll do like honey mustard or we'll just do like olive oil and lemon pepper. Like I, I could eat them all the time. You wouldn't want to be around me after I eat them, but, um, (laughs) they're, they're really good. That was something I'd forgotten about when I became vegan for like the first two weeks. You, you do not want, you did not want to be in close proximity to me. It was like, my body was like, like adjusting to the fiber and everything. It was, it was not a pleasant smell. It was not. (laughs) I think, I think that I'm so used to Brussels and cauliflower and broccoli that it doesn't affect me as much as some other people because they, they are, (laughs) they are in my freezer. They are in my fridge. Like we eat them all the time. Now with your, with your Crohn's, like, do you get bloated when you eat like, because I do, I do with like my IBS. Yes, I get bloated, unfortunately. And, and one other um, good thing about four week gut protocol is that whatever we're doing right now with our removing um, the foods, uh, it can help with bloating. So I am definitely curious to see if it will help me with bloating as well. Yeah. That I get be- bloated. I'm like, gosh, I'm always bloated. I like, I love how my stomach looks in the morning. And then I'm like later by the end of the day, I'm like, I look like I gained 10 pounds and it's all in my stomach. And it's like, and it's, it's fine, but I'm just like, this mm. is just really interesting. Like, and I do, I like take inventory of what I, what I ate and I, I can't, I can't often find like consistencies, you know, like it's just the same with me. I feel like, cause I journal my my food also. And I just, I, I know I eat Brussels and all these veggies that cause bloating, but even when I don't eat them, sometimes I'm so bloated mm-hmm. that my husband's like, you look like you're pregnant five months. And I'm like, oh my, thanks. Like, well, no, you I'm should like, just oh, go, well, you should just rub your pill and go, well. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes I wake up in the morning already bloated. And I think that it's just, unfortunately it's just something that Crohn's does to me and like I said I'm very curious what's gonna happen after I'm done with the four weeks of gut protocol and if it's gonna help or not because it's already helped me with some of my pains associated with Crohn's Mm -hmm. 
because even though I am in a, in a remission and my recent colonoscopy showed no active Crohn's, I still get these aches, like pains, you know, in my upper colon, I guess. And um, I'm not really sure what's causing it. Yeah. So week and a half into this program and my pains are gone right now. So amazing. I am curious what else it will do for me. And then, so what week are you in? Remind me. I started last next last Monday. So week and a half now. Okay. And so at this point, are you, are you still eliminating things from your diet or are you adding things back in? I, so last week we eliminated raw veggies. We were supposed to eat everything cooked. This week we are supposed to add raw veggies back. I have not added them back in yet, Mm -hmm. but I probably will tomorrow. Do you think that may be what it is? I don't know. So I, I was hesitant to add them back because I feel so good that it's like, Oh, do I want to add? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. But I also think that I, I need to find out what I found out over the weekend, because I haven't drunk alcohol also in such a long time. We were celebrating my daughter's birthday and I was so proud of myself for not having a cake (laughs) since it wasn't gluten-free, but I decided to have a glass of wine and you know what? It did not sit well with me. So I know now that alcohol is a huge, huge trigger for me and I cannot even have it occasionally. So when you say it didn't sit well with you, what does that mean? I had horrible stomach ache. Okay. I had a stomach ache and I was in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I've and I know out- it was the wine because I did not eat anything different yep. than what I eat, you know? Yeah. yeah. I've noticed that alcohol will do that to me too. Mm-hmm. And and I don't like being in the bathroom, but I do like how like light I feel. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Yes, <laughs> yeah. That's the only good thing about colonoscopy. It's like when you drink that prep solution. It's that's, like I feel so light now. Like that's oh. what I that's what I told the the receptionist or whomever she was that called me today to remind me about my appointment next week. I was like, yeah. I'm just going to like weigh myself. Like, you know, I haven't eaten for over 24 hours and right. And I actually like, I actually don't weigh myself like ever. Um, because I just know like my relationship with the scale is just not the best. Um, but it's just like, it just makes me laugh. Cause yeah, like you just, you, you are empty. Like you are, you have a lot of stuff cleaned out of you. Yes, for sure. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to come off like I'm making fun of Browns or something because, you you know, it is, it is my reality and Uh I'm fighting every day to be healthy and for Crohn's not to get active again. I I really don't want to have active Crohn's again. And I know there are people that have it way worse. And like, that doesn't, that like, doesn't change like how it affects you and how you're, how you're managing it. You know, I mean, I look at, I look at my mom and she never did anything to try to mitigate her stress or how she Mm -hmm. responded to it. 
Um, she would intentionally eat things that she knew would trigger it. And she would like literally be in the bathroom for days after that and very uncomfortable. And I think it's, you know, and first of all, like, I don't think you like you're, you're making fun of this, or I think you're just being very real about the situation. You're not, you're not sometimes you just have to laugh a little bit because you know, um, Mm -hmm. I, I, I just don't want to be worried because I don't want to stress about it either. Well, and that's not going to help you. Like that's exactly. just going to like make it worse potentially, you know? But this is why my morning routine became such a crucial part of my journey because I, I need that time when I wake up hour, hour and a half before my kids wake up mm-hmm. or even if they wake up, they still go lay down with my husband. So they don't come downstairs always but I need to sit down when it's quiet and peaceful and write out what I'm grateful for and like do my whole routine and then still work out to release the stress and then mm-hmm. I'm ready for the day and what comes my way I think and it's great that you do that am I always in a great mood no you're human life with, life with toddlers it's, it's a, it can be a lot and you have, you have more than one. So yes, my younger is a daredevil. She is, I, I, I don't even know how to describe her, the amount of trouble she gets into. (laughs) And how old are your girls? Eliska just turned five and Emilia is, she is two and a half. She'll be three in August. So she's something about the second child that is just like, definitely there is something there everybody says the second child is like the daredevil the second child is what a daredevil like no they are naughty and troublemakers and (laughs) I feel like I was the second child and I'm like I I do you fit the description I I don't know like I guess like I'm definitely more of a risk taker in and I think just really everything. My sister is very much about control. Like you watch friends, right? You've seen friends. I feel like my sister is very much like a Monica. And although I appreciate Monica's desire to keep things clean, if you were to compare me and my sister, it's like, she's like a Monica and I'm a Phoebe. That's me. I'm a Monica. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I appreciate the Monica clean the desire to control. I, I, it's so funny. I watched that show and I just like psychoanalyze like so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This, it's a big struggle. Like when you, like for me personally, like I love to be in control. Like I have to have a plan. I have to have a schedule and I like to go by the schedule. I hate when things don't go as planned. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard. It throws, it throws you off. And I feel like that's, that's kind of how I used to be in certain ways until I had my son. And then I think I realized like, there are just certain things I'm going to have to relinquish control on. Um, and it's interesting, like, because like I said, if you were to compare me and my sister, it's like, she's a Monica, I'm a Phoebe. But if you were to compare me and my husband, I am a Monica and he is a Phoebe, you know? So I'm like, I just feel like it's, it's, all relative. And I feel like we all have certain things that we're just more anal 
and yeah. have that greater desire to control things than, than other things, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you just making the time to, to chat with me. I always enjoy just connecting with you and I want to give you like these last couple of minutes just to like, let people know like how they can follow you and just kind of what, what's next on your journey. And if they want to join your programs, like how they would go about doing that. Yes. You can follow me on Instagram. I am more active on Instagram than Facebook and you'll find me at Katarzyna Lenkaut, which I'm sure <laughs> Christy would put in her notes. I'm going to make them all just find you. No. Um, yes. I will put that in the, <laughs> the episode notes for sure. <laughs> that would be interesting. Yes. And um, yes, right now we have four week gut protocol going on and I'm actively participating in it and learning about it. And if it's a program you are interested in, you don't even have to have IBS or IBD, but maybe you want to find out why you are always tired or you have some stomach issues or why you are so moody all the time. <laughs> Everything connects with our gut. So four week gut protocol is a great program for anybody. Okay. And then like, are you a beach body coach? Like if they're interested in that? Yes, I am a beach body coach. I, um, I joined Beachbody as a customer, but I got so passionate about to be mindset that I decided that I want to help others with their nutrition and the struggles because to be mindset and psychology helped me so much with my symptoms and the way I was feeling. And I'm in remission since following that program that it's just amazing. Yeah. I just want to help anybody who is struggling and doesn't know where to start or how to go about healthy eating. Sometimes it's a lot finding everything on your own on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, no. it's, it's like information overload. And so. Beachbody On Demand app is amazing because like you have one app and you have everything, your workouts, your nutrition, you connect with me. If yeah. you are um, a customer of mine, and um, all, all the other members of our team that, that joined me, we try to support each other and encourage each other on our journeys. And everybody is on a different journey. Some are trying to lose weight and some are trying just to maintain it. Some are working out because they need that stress release. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will tag you on Instagram and, um, I will absolutely share your info in the episode notes. And I just, thank you so much. I just, I, I appreciate thank you, you for having me. <laughs> I re I'm really honored to be on your podcast and oh, you thanks. are, I'm, I feel blessed that I have met you and we connected, you know, like sometimes you meet those people on the internet there is there is a lot of catfishing going on and there's, you, yeah, there's a lot of weird sometimes stuff. you don't know who you're talking to but um when you meet people like you and you're so kind and amazing oh you're making me cry <laughs> no I thank you and I I feel the same about you I feel like we've we've connected like 
just right from the the get-go. And like I said, I love that I connected with you on my happy feel-good place, that it wasn't even awaken the extraordinary. And so I'm just super thankful and appreciative of our relationship. And I love the positive behaviors you're modeling for your girls and how you're just taking this situation that, you know, some people might just, it's like, well, yeah, this sucks. Like, what am I going to do? But you're, you took that as an opportunity to improve your health. Like, I think emotionally you're probably stronger and more mindful of things than you probably were before. I'm a work in progress. And we, and we all like, we all are. And I think like, for me, it's like, that's my goal for the rest of my life. I want to be constantly learning and growing and evolving because otherwise like you're stagnant and it's like that crappy water that has all the bugs and stuff in it, you know, like it's not good. And absolutely. And I just, I, I just like, love seeing you like do your morning routine like it's very inspiring to me so I I always think if I get to inspire at least one person it's all worth it and it has a ripple effect you know so yeah well thank you so much Kat I'm not even you know I'm not gonna go with the full name because it's just not yeah it's not gonna go well um but thank you again so much for your time and um we'll talk with you soon yes definitely Hi friends. So I loved this conversation with Kat. I really appreciated how open she was with her challenges and how she explained what Crohn's is. And I was really thankful for us to be able to have an in-depth conversation about Crohn's and IBS and colitis, because I feel like these are issues that actually, I think, plague, for lack of a better term, a lot of people. And as I shared in the conversation with Kat, I believe my IBS was triggered by my inability to effectively manage the stress that I experienced as a result of major traumatic events as a child. And as she shared her Crohn's disease could absolutely be, I guess, born from how she treated her body with, you know, the laxatives and other measures she took to try to maintain her weight. And for me, some of those takeaways are really being mindful to how we treat our body and what we choose to put into it and how we manage things like stress. And so I think it's really important to have practices like Kat mentioned, where, you know, she has a morning routine and her morning routine consists of journaling and I think just kind of quiet time for herself and being reflective and a workout, which is a stress release. And it's so interesting to me how so much of what we struggle with emotionally and perhaps our inability to effectively manage that really manifests itself in these physical symptoms. And I think it's so important to be aware of that because when you're aware of that, 
you're empowered to make changes. And I love the changes that she has implemented. And I love this newfound love for nutrition and healthy eating and these behaviors that she's modeling for her children. It's so powerful and it's so empowering. And I know we talk about things that, you know, people don't talk about, but I think it's really important. And that's something that I've always done anyway. Like, I don't think there's, there should be shame about, you know, going to the bathroom and having issues there. Like we're all human. And I think the more we talk about the things that seem taboo, that, that are uncomfortable, the more comfortable we're going to get. So there's going to be a heightened level of awareness about things. So people may feel less alone or there may be more research being done. And so I am really thankful one to Kat for just taking a chance on me and having this conversation and overcoming some of her concerns with just being interviewed. So I thank her so much for that and for being willing to just have this conversation with me about something that people don't talk about. And I hope you learned something from it. I hope you found it valuable. If you did, I would love to know about it. Kat would love to know about it. If you want to share this on your stories, please do tag me, tag Kat. I know she would love to know that you loved this episode. And thank you as always, friends, for joining. I appreciate you so very much. I know there's so many things you could be doing with your time, and I'm so thankful that you choose to spend some of it with me and in this episode, Kat. So stay kind, stay compassionate, and stay curious with yourself and others, and I will talk with you soon.